0: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Richard Herring. Oh, thank you very much. <clears throat> Number twenty-one, uh, Richard Herring said, "I think it is Richard Herring's Edinburgh Fringe podcast, or as all the cool kids are calling it, Rehep. Yeah, it's good. It's going. Uh, so, um, <clears throat> losing my voice, I was up till about three o'clock in the morning last night. I've it's, it's all falling apart for me. I'm drinking again. Uh, not being slapped in the face by any wives of comedians at the moment. That's a reference to the people at home. Uh, As far as I know, I don't know. Because the other day, Dave Fulton told me this story that in 1999, I basically told his then-girlfriend why I'd asked him why she was with him, and she'd uh, slapped me in the face, uh, and I'd gone away. But I don't remember anything about that story at all. So I'm starting to wonder what things I've done when I've been drunk (laughs) in my life. What terrible crimes have I committed? Maybe the high-backed armchair thing is... uh, (laughs) Actually, true. That I, that's a rumor about me that I heard. Someone told me about myself, because I can see you didn't. You don't know this one, do you? Uh, and in fact, if, if I was going to make it true, you might very well feature in the next. The next, in that I would, uh, I would invite girls back to my hotel room, uh, and uh, then I'd sit in a high-backed armchair, and uh, make them dance while I masturbated. Would you be, would you be up for that? It's no, co- no. It's a no-contact thing. <laughs> You can get your clothes on. Uh, so, get to see my cock for free. What do you think? No? Okay. Uh, well, it's worth a try. I've got to go, I'm very happy with my girlfriend. If we're going to do it, we have to do it within the hour of this podcast where I have, I, there's an amnesty declared. I'm allowed to have sex with anyone I want in the, within this podcast. So far, it hasn't, no one's been brave enough to do it. Uh, but uh, there we go. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it was great fun. I, went, I did set list, uh, which we got, I don't want to talk about too much because we've got the, uh, the producer of that show is, uh, is our guest, uh, which was a pretty incredible show uh, where you have to make up a, a, a routine on stage with her. just it's a bit like this except you have some help because there's a list of things you've got to do <laughs> uh, so it's very similar but we'll talk about it in a second so, um, was anyone there, did anyone see it? no yeah, what did you think, did you enjoy it? Yes. who was the best at doing it do you think in the whole, the whole night that you saw you thought I was very good but who was the best <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's not answering uh, <clears throat> Frank Skinner, how did, I didn't see Frank was Frank good, did you see Frank? You thought you was poor, fucking hell, I didn't expect that. Okay, right, well, uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't, yeah, who was the shittest one? Uh, who's the worst comedian at making stuff? It's, it's an amazing thing. I'm kind of, it's, it's one of those things where you do it and it kind of blows your mind a little bit because it's terrifying. Um, I don't want to talk about it now, we'll talk about it later. Uh, uh, so uh, the, uh, there's more of the Necker Island fire. Uh, Richard Branson's mansion on the Necker Island was burnt down. Did you see the story? And uh, oh, <laughs> Yeah, poor old, where's he going to live now? In one of his other 2,000 homes, says he. Poor homeless Richard Branson. Uh, and uh, I quite like this because, A, there's a picture of Kate Winslet who rescued uh, uh, Richard Branson's mother and thought it was a film. Uh, and she genuinely did. There's a picture of Richard Branson's mum there, which you'll be able to see. She looks exactly like Richard Branson in a kind of scary wig. It's great. Which, you know, it's not surprising she is his mum, but it's kind of funny to see a female version of Richard Branson. He doesn't, doesn't have the beard. Um, uh, unless, unless that's Kate Winslet but uh, no. So, um, uh, but so what I enjoyed about that is that Richard Branson said, uh, as the thing, all that matters at the end of the day. Ian Virgin, I call him. At the end of the day, uh, what you realise is that all that matters is the people you love. Everything else is just stuff, and none of that stuff matters. Which is all very well to say when you're a multi-billionaire, isn't it? They say, yeah, one of my houses burnt down. Ah, oh, well, never mind. I just build another one. It's okay with Richard Herring's gym fee that he isn't using. I should, he got conditioner, he had conditioner that smelled shit in his gym, went in my hair, he's a bastard. Uh, so let's, who we got here? We got Paul J. Levy. Yeah, how you doing? You haven't sent me your address for your programme, I should have brought it down, I thought you might be here. I've got your, your limit, if, you're, if you, uh, I do a programme in my, my other show, uh, what, what is Love Anyway, that all the proceeds go to scope. I'm, I'm a very uh, generous man and uh, last night's collection took the, the total for the collection from the previews and Edinburgh to over £10,000, so well done to you. Um, Paul J. Levy is one of the men who donated to get his name in the programme but then hasn't sent me his address. I did, I didn't. Know. You fucking didn't. <laughs> uh, so, uh, don't you lie. Uh, how are you doing? What do you do for a living, Paul, J. Levy? I work for a uh, tiny little charity. You work for a tiny charity? Oh, that's nice, isn't it? How, ma- how much have you raised in the last two months? Because I've raised £10,000. <laughs> about 90,000 yeah. I'm just one person no, on my own so how many people work there? Uh, there's two time two part-time. Mm, fuck. <laughs> 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 there's four people working there that's good what's the charity for? Uh, we do a project with uh, young people uh, econ- oh yeah uh, young economically deprived young people you've been doing a great job with that haven't you thanks for thanks for keeping them happy you fuck this is all your fault you see what they've been doing uh well, look, here's, um, here's five pounds so you can give to the charity. It's, a North, it's from a Belfast bank, but it still counts. It's legal tender. It's fine. Um, so there you go. Put that towards uh, whatever that is. Don't you steal that. <laughs> That's someone That was going to go in the competition at the end. Uh, now someone's lost out. Look at that. Paul J. Levy, ladies and gentlemen. There he is. I don't know, don't know why I know his name. I don't know everyone's name. Uh, and what's your, what's your name? The lovely uh, lady is coming to dance for me later. Anna, what, what do you do for a living, Anna? Um, I've just finished training to be train a teacher. You're training to be a teacher. You, yeah, okay. You just finished, all right. <laughs> fucking, don't be like that with the kids. Just go. No, <laughs> no. The correct answer is this. Can't you, fucking idiot? You don't do that. You go every. You just, there are no wrong answers, but listen to uh, listen to what the teacher said. I've just finished doing it. That's what you got to do. Um, so, uh, yeah, what are you going to teach? Arts. Arts. That's not a proper subject. Is it? I don't, <laughs> yeah, is the training of that just sort of turning up, going? You know, can you? Keep some paints in a cupboard. Do you know how to unlock a cupboard? Is that what they do? You do that for a couple of weeks. Go there. You go. You have got to carry those paints over there. Then just say, get on. Are you going to be like a cool art teacher? Yeah. Are you going to have sex with any of the pupils? Do you think? No. no. Are you sure? How do you know you might find you might fall in love with one of them? Is this your boyfriend here? Why is, why is there a man sitting in between the two of you? <laughs> is he one of your pupils? <laughs> What's the best thing you've ever drawn? <laughs> that, that would be my first question if I say that. I've, I've completely... If I was in charge of teaching, you wouldn't be a teacher now because I'd have done that. You'd come into the interview i go, welcome to the interview for the job of teacher. What's the best thing you've ever drawn? And you sit there going, oh, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Then you won't get the job. Have you got a job yet? No, I'm no, pr- not surprised that you're fucking not knowing what the best thing you've ever drawn is trying to get off with all your pupils, pretending... <laughs> Covering the have and you? Disgust me, what you've done. <laughs> but you're only like about you're about 22 or 23 now, right? No, I'm nine. You're 29. You look very young. Um, don't want to see you dance now. <laughs> uh, now I know that. <laughs> you can keep the clothes on, sweetheart. You know, just. Uh, so I'm a dis- I'm horrible. I'm horrible. This is I was much better last night improvising. Um, Good. I'm I'm glad I've discussed it, everyone. Well, welcome to the show, Anna. Uh, And uh, look, I'm going to get on uh, because I can't think of anything to say. And uh, I've done eight minutes. Uh, And we're welcome. (laughs) I think I've whipped you up into a frenzy with my improvisational skills. Uh, I'm kind of slightly freaked out. The back window's open. That's never happened before. So there's a man in, in silhouette against that window. I guess that's letting in some fresh air for the first time. <laughs> this is the first time it hasn't been pissing down with rain uh, for this month. So will you please welcome my guest today. Uh, he is a fantastic uh, comedian and, uh, and director and producer. Uh, it's Mr. Paul Prevenza, ladies and gentlemen. Here he comes. Welcome, Paul.
1: I just want to say I'm a little disappointed. I expected a big-ass high-back
0: chair. <laughs> just the stool. I sit on a high stool. Seriously, and you didn't think through the production design. <laughs> it would have been nice. Because I'm the king of Edinburgh as well. I could have sat with my crown on. Yeah. It would have been a beautiful thing. Yeah. So, set list. Tell us about this. I, no, you was, tell us you about tell this. You tell us about it. You sit back while I tell you. Well, I, was, I was
1: very excited that, that you would come and do it. Because I, I, I should tell your audience here... And your listenership—is there a listenership? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, uh, that I was very excited because R- Richard is one of a handful of comedians that I fucking love oh. talking comedy with. <laughs> so you're Adam Bloom. Yeah. Rick Overton. Uh, that's about it. You, you wow. know, yeah. uh, and Stuart, Stewart yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah. Do uh, you know him?
0: Uh, Stuart Lee. Yeah. Yeah. A, yeah. Um, I did uh, comedy in the. Night. So I was he's really moved, excited. He's moved on. <laughs> He's, so playing, I, he's playing golf I, now. I so you see him play. He won a golf tournament. It's good. He doesn't really like jokes, so it's good that he's moved <laughs> moved away from comedy, more into the golf arena that he well, was. Well, he's a
1: much more serious bloke. He is very serious. Uh, um, anyway, so so I was excited for you to do it, just so I could hear you talk about it.
0: <laughs> well, it was terrifying. The idea is, you go, you, uh, you basically you know, comedians have set lists often where they just write down a, a word that gives them a. Uh, so they can remember or just on the stage what we're talking about next so it was just a one word or two word thing but if you're ever
1: walking about Edinburgh sometimes you find them Yeah, and it kind of just looks like Dada is poetry (laughs)
0: yeah because right. it's just like a little aide memoir so yeah. you know it doesn't give you the jokes it just gives you like the the key point and i in fact I saw I saw one in was it was in Manchester about six seven months ago before I'd heard of this idea I was in the dressing room and there was a there was a set list that pinned up on the wall yeah, I just no, thought that great. wouldn't it be amazing just to take that and on station night and try and do the the routine based on what this is on my own version of it, which is what this idea is. I just thought oh, that would be incredible and terrifying, and no one would ever do that and it'd be funny, but you've actually decided to make comedians do it yeah Troy that.
1: Conrad, Troy Conrad. Conrad is a brilliant comedian and writer, and and, and uh, he came up with this idea, and he was doing it in Los Angeles, and he just called me and asked me to do it one night. I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and he goes, Yeah, we we just give you a set list, and you improv an entire standup set. I'm I'm, I'm sorry, there seems to be something wrong with the phone. <laughs> and uh, and I went and did it, and it was. Breathtaking, life-changing. It was yeah.
0: So cool. It is. It is. It is a kind of mind-blowing thing because it's you know. It's and you've got to try and make it look like it's your actual routine. So it's not like you're not really meant to refer to all oh, this is difficult or say you know. Because if you were doing it as a routine, you wouldn't go oh. You know. But it's
1: like it, it really is like it's like bungee jumping or surfing yeah. or. Skiing snowboarding or something where it's like you know you stumble around you fall
0: on your ass and
1: then but then all of a sudden you get this run <laughs> it's really cool
0: it is amazing I was lucky the first one so I went on stage you get 10 seconds to look at it which is pointless because you're so sort of scared anyway you don't, you don't even see beyond the first one anyway uh, so the <laughs> first one was cookie Auschwitz was what I had to start with <laughs> Uh, so you're the kind of the, you go because you don't really have any material prepared for that unless you're a very odd comedian uh, so uh, <laughs> I think Simon Munnery has <laughs> a, a a hunk a whole thing about it so you know I basically had to and I was a little bit drunk and I just made up a, a story about how you know back in the old days biscuits were we, we didn't have the the more liberal attitudes we have towards biscuits in those days, <laughs> and there was segregation within the biscuit. So you just end up t- telling a long story about basically biscuits being sent to uh, the Holocaust. Uh, it was Nice biscuits, I decided, with the, with the Jews of the. Although I should have said, you know, the first they came, they came for the Nice biscuits, and I said nothing. <laughs> See, that's then they, the thing. Three days after you do
1: it, you can't stop thinking of better jokes.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then they came for the gypsy creams. I said nothing. You know, I could have, I could have been completely there. The game for the and fairy then, cakes, I said. Then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you got, but we it was still, you know, still had a good crack at it. And you, it's kind of real, kind of, you're very focused, but also kind of very loose. I and mean, I think when I first came back to doing stand up about sort of six or seven years ago now, I saw Reg D. Hunter actually. He's an amazing. Uh, comedian and he would just he kind of came to a gig really late and he was been really in a rush and he sort of it was quite a nice intimate gig and he just said I want to sit down and he just sat down in a yeah. chair on the stage and just sort of started talking high back chair uh, it yeah. was it was a low back chair but it was I'm sure he has actually done he probably does get girls to come let's make it about him because it's more more likely he would do that uh, but uh, but then he just sort of started talking about some stuff that was going on in his life and I thought that would that's my ultimate goal with stand-up is to be comfortable enough to just uh, yeah. go on stage and just talk that without, takes with you nothing right prepared.
1: to Bill Cosby. Yeah. It's what he does. He yeah. just sits there and talks <laughs> yeah. and it's genius. Yeah.
0: And so some of it, you know, some of those things will and, and I guess Billy Connolly a bit as well. Some of those yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, some of those sure. things you feel like were prepared stories, but then you get you get, you know, if you if you set yourself off with a it's I mean it's very like doing I've done so many of these podcasts with other people that you are just chatting and then someone will suggest something in that in a way, I suppose is the same thing that a subject comes up and then you go, "Oh, you know, and then you've either got something on or you or you start riffing on something. But it's it was it was really um it was an amazing experience to do it. And then you, cut, you come on stage and you feel like a bit shell shocked and weird. And, and then you get this kind of massive euphoria. So I couldn't sleep last the way, night.
1: The way I describe it is that um, did you ever have that dream where you were naked in school? This is that for comedians.
0: Gee, <laughs> you, you had that dream, didn't you? Hey, you aren't teacher. <laughs>
1: Uh, Carlos Alazraki said, asking a comedian to improv a set list in front of the audience is like asking a magician to do actual fucking magic. <laughs> 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 but it's
0: perfect, true. Right? It's true. I didn't mean, say, well, it's not completely true. But it's a uh, good, it's a good, uh, no. it's. It, but, it, but it's, we, you know, I think we're all able to do it. We are uh, able just to sort of chat and talk. I mean, it's very interesting with this, doing these for the last... Uh, Three weeks of madness just sort of chatting with comedians, you know, you do, you do kind of hit highs and lows of kind of just suddenly it all f- spin into Well, you, light, know, you, you know, what's
1: interesting is like I've started to look at comedy very, very much like jazz, where it's like it, it, if you're really into jazz, there's no like one show, one performance that defines the artist. It's a sort of like spectrum of, of work that yeah. they do, and you get to and you start to get into what they do, and it comes out in different ways, and sometimes it's like definitive. And other times it's just you know whatever, but it's kind of the gestalt. I I I think it's kind of cool. I think a lot of people now are starting to follow comedians that way, you know, Mm. because you can hear so much about them on different podcasts and you can see them in so many different contexts and things. I think it's really cool because people are starting to follow bodies of work.
0: Yeah, well, that is the nice thing that now it can be so easy to record DVDs, but or just shows onto the internet, you know, that people can actually catch up on. You know, well, with me, like about five hundred hours worth of stuff. If you if you suddenly discover me, I kind of feel a bit sorry for you. Which, you have to go. Oh, fuck, do I I'm, have to I'm go gonna, back that far? Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm I'm gonna get right into that as soon as I'm back home. I'm going
0: So, how did you you started as a comedian? Quite you from the Bronx, right? Yeah, yeah. I was uh,
1: seventeen. Yeah. Uh When I started, actually. Playing you know, at the improv, which at the time was like the equivalent of like the London comedy store, it was just yeah. like the place. You know? Yeah, so, what, so got was, you,
0: what got you into comedy? We you just sort of is just uh, fascinated with um, it from the start? No,
1: it was tragic, seriously. <laughs> I had amblyopia, which is lazy eye, right. which meant one eye went like over here, and um, so I had eye surgery, I had an eye patch that I wore <laughs> for years which uh, was so frustrating so to entertain myself I would just switch the eye and see if anybody would notice (laughs) at at family gatherings Uh, which didn't really help the eye thing (laughs) but I laughed Um, uh, my grandfather was a barber from Italy but really he ran numbers on the Upper West Side in New York and the barber thing was a front. <laughs> so he was a shit barber.
0: <laughs>
1: and my father was in the military, very strict guy. And so all my haircuts had to be by my grandfather. <laughs> and they were just like, <laughs> like, like really fucked up haircuts. Uh, so I had the glasses with the eye patch, the really bad haircut. Uh, I also, because of amblyopia, amblyopia is um, uh, lazy eye, so you're you're only using one eye at a time. So three dimensions of depth perception was rare for me. So I would constantly be bumping into things falling over. I'd break my glasses, because this was before they had unbreakable glasses because I'm (laughs) a hundred and uh, and my parents would get mad at me and go "Well, you have to start paying more attention and be careful we're not gonna spend money your glasses so now I had a big hunk of scotch tape
0: uh,
1: or cello tape uh, uh, on the glasses and uh, and then I had these weird growth spurts so none of my clothes ever fit (laughs) so I'm walking around bumping into shit I got the haircut of a retard who can't find a helmet I, I got my pants don't fit right ever. My head has just got all sorts of apparatus on it. And uh, I'd get in trouble for it all the time for falling down, being, being a klutz and everything. And then I would go and see Jerry Lewis movies. And I'd go, he's doing everything I'm getting in trouble for.
0: <laughs> and that's how I got into comedy. It's good. It's honest not <laughs> true. That's good. Good, and so what, you did start doing stand-up or improv? Was it stand-up at the improv, or was it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stand-
1: yeah, the improv, uh, um, yeah, stand-up, and uh, I was steeped in, you know, uh, we're talking like mid to late 70s. I mean, right. as, as like a young teenager in the mid-70s, I was steeped in Richard Pryor, George, New George Carlin, yeah. you know, um, um, uh, National Lampoon. Uh, this was even pre-Saturday Night Live when, yeah. when those guys were just doing real satirical and subversive stuff around New York. Uh, just i was steeped in that post 60s stand up comedy as as countercultural voice yeah. time and uh, that's one of the reasons why i, I fell in love with you the first time I saw you it was like it was really hard I mean in the States for I mean through most of the 80s and 90s it was really hard to find comedy that had any substance really Yeah. you know I mean unless you were deep inside it looking for it but you could still it was a very small pool and I came over here and I saw so many great people doing not just political material but substantive material you know?
0: yeah I guess there's a different um, there's a different sort of way of going into stand up in Britain because we're we're sort of aiming towards doing those hour long shows in Edinburgh. Yeah. The comedian, yeah. And well not everyone, And a but new a one every year, which yeah. means you gotta keep stretching it and pushing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas in America it seemed to me, when I did Montreal especially, I haven't really played played in America, but there's everyone's trying to get sort of seven minutes together that they can then audition and basically doing an audition to be the kooky neighbor in the in the sitcom.
1: Yeah, but that's that's interesting though, because that's kind of what you get from just for laughs. But yeah. that's a model that hasn't worked since the late eighties. Right. But just for laughs, still hanging on to that <laughs> right. model, but that's not really what no. the comedy scene is like. Well, the scene—I I mean, specific. there
0: are so many amazing American comedians, and I wasn't really—I mean, I guess apart from Woody Allen, and I was more into his films than into his stand-up. You know, uh, Richard Pryor. Did, Get, you know people have seen him over here but it's not that many per into him and I guess Bill Hicks was the first but you guys but
1: but when, when alternative comedy happened here it was like somebody flicked a switch yeah I mean it was like the like everybody made a decision we're going to a different kind of comedy now and the mainstream comedy was was ghettoized and 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 relegated to the end of the pier. is that what you call it the end of the pier? yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and um, but so the, so the only other body of comedy you had was alternative comedy. Mm. In the States, it wasn't like that. It was part of a natural evolution and it all kind of styles and things developed at the same time. There was no actual like turning point. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So so it all sort of became a mishmash, whereas here it was so completely identified as a particular alternative. Mm -hmm. And so everybody, all the comics that came up here, came up with this sort of artful kind of yearning. You know, there was no way up until recently where you could be really middle class in stand-up here in Britain. You were either gonna be a big star or you were you know, a starving artist, right? Yeah, yeah. That hasn't been that way in the States since the 80s. Right,
0: that's interesting.
1: And that really changes. And because you have the Edinburgh Fringe, which means every year you gotta come up with a new hour and that hour has to withstand the scrutiny of Kate fucking Copstick.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and what the fuck she ended up with last night.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, it really, I, I mean, in fairness, it's you have real comedy critical press here. Yeah. I mean, Kate knows what she's talking about. Yeah. You know, um, Julian, all the, Steve Bennett, I mean, they all really know what they're talking about. We don't really have any constructive comedy criticism we don't have any comedy criticism in the states at all it's just yeah. pop culture fluff
0: but yes I think because there's, there's almost been a patronizing attitude in Britain towards American comedy but it seems to me like you've certainly like in TV terms and you know, and the greatest stand-ups I think are probably all American, really. But the but the, but the stuff that's coming out in like the the Office and uh, which I know is in, in originally from here, but I the, the think the American one's kind of a different thing altogether. And uh, Arrested Development and Thirty Rock and La- and Larry Sanders and Larry David. You know, these these yeah. are the greatest TV shows that have ever yeah, existed, some great shit, and really know. properly ironic and satirical. And uh, I, yeah, but dude, I've seen Brass Eye, <laughs> fucking Jam. Yeah
1: jam is genius it's 12 years old now and it's still 10 years ahead of its time but it wouldn't get you know it wouldn't be syndicated around
0: all of you know something the thing like Seinfeld or 30 Rock these are big shows that people actually watch in America right whereas jam you know most people in this room probably haven't seen much of jam right am I right who's seen jam yeah see I was right most people haven't seen Monty Python? Yeah, the Monty Python was. was No, 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 (laughs) no, you're right, you're right. But that's also, yeah, that's a bit. But here's the
1: thing though is that stand up really is a, it is as uniquely American an art form as jazz Hmm. is unique to America. It really truly is because it was born, I'm um, stand-up, modern stand-up comedy. You know, I mean, there was a point at which, y- you know, the idea of, what is it? Larry Miller said something about it. He's like, the, uh, the idea of getting up on a nightclub stage and tell people, you know what I think about this? Was like at one point revolutionary. And he's like, you know, we tried that in, you know, Spain in the thirties, you know what I think, <coughs> you know. um, um, but well, you know, like was,
0: Hitler kind of wiped out, you know, did the cabaret. It was, yeah, was, yeah. Know, so it, of, it, it's it's so, to have that freedom of speech.
1: So it kind of naturally flowed, and and the immigrant experience in the states had had a lot to do with it as well, because it was a real melange of, you know, uh, uh, it, Italian commedia and and Yiddish theater, yeah. and you know, that's it, it's why so much of of comedy in the early days in America w- was predominated by Jews, because they because of the Jewish. Yiddish theater in New York, and the and the uh, the resort communities and everything uh, that were just like these amazing breeding grounds of everybody from like Neil Simon to like um, Zero Mostel, yeah, you know, and all points in between, Mel Brooks and all those people. So it is a very you know specifically American art form. But just like jazz, when it fell out of favor in America, or you know became institutionalized, or music moved on in America, jazz artists went around the world and were appreciated the way they should be appreciated. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and I think the same thing is true for comedy. I mean I, I you know, if you if the appreciation for somebody who's really committed to the art of comedy here is I think really different and it and it's it keeps it going, it's great. And and I'm not sucking anybody's cock because <laughs> because these fuckers can't do shit for me. But the hey, stand yeah. audience, the stand audience is the most comedy literate audience I've ever encountered in a club at both both stands any night. Yeah. Don't, wouldn't you agree that that's true? Yeah,
0: it's a, well, it's an amazing club for comedy, and yeah, and I think I think, but there's a there are the little pockets of these clubs around the place where it's they do kind of get an audience of people who will appreciate really you know, great. So I think the stand is the best one. And it's, great, it's generally yeah. acknowledged as such. But there are, there are little clubs around the country where you can go and you just know from the first line you, know, you're gonna be, you can do what you want. Yeah, the, yeah, you, yeah. you often do that first line just as a tester. It's like either a bit rude or a bit clever. You do one of those, and you see how that goes, and then the, the act goes in one of two directions yeah, as you a result. You guys have <laughs> no idea. How, you, you
1: sit there in your smug little
0: uh, uh,
1: stand-up club seats... Judging, judging, judging. You have no idea how mutual it is. You just keep that in mind the next time you're sitting at the smug seat.
0: But Seriously. you're into pushing back the boundaries of comedy. I think with the thing that probably has made you most famous in the, this country is the uh, the Aristocrats, not what? the Walt Disney film. But I keep I, ne- I nearly always call it the Aristocrats. You want to hear something funny? Funny yeah. story. They did it
1: right after it opened in Florida, in some town in Florida. This this couple and their two children, like you know, eight and seven or something, uh, rocked up to see the Aristocrats. <laughs> <coughs> Clearly thinking it was the Aristocats, <laughs> but they didn't leave for about forty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: thought, at what point
1: do they go? I don't think the cats are gonna sing.
0: <laughs> it's a, We used to used to do a show called uh, Richard Not Judy. This one with Richard Not Judy, which was based on. This the Richard, R- Richard Judy, yeah. and Judy show. And we had loads of times where there'd be some, <laughs> a real middle aged couple sitting in the front row for the first half, for the whole first half. And obviously thinking, I'm just sitting there looking confused and wondering when wondering Richard and Judy are coming on and why they would have booked these two kind of comedians <laughs> talking about when, when, right, drawing cocks into the Princess Diana Memorial book. Uh, and I said, well, I wonder why, wonder why they booked this. <laughs> Supporting. Well, they'll be, they'll be on in a second. So it's kind of amazing how stupid people can be. But the idea of that is, it, is, no, is where did the joke originate? Is it just something that's come up amongst comedians, basically? It's well, it's
1: been around forever. I mean, yeah. it actually, it probably has its genesis from somewhere over here in Europe. There are suggestions. I don't know how to go through all this. There's yeah. very little verifiable about this. But we have tracked it back to at least the middle of the 19th century. Right. Um, um, J. Uh, Thomas, who's... Um, um, uh, Jay Marshall, who is the old man at the very early uh, part of The Aristocrats who tells the shortest, simplest form of the joke right at the top, he was a child in vaudeville when he heard it from... Uh, an old Wizen stagehand <laughs> right. uh, who had heard it when he was a child in Vaudeville or burlesque. So that takes it back firsthand to about the middle of the nineteenth century. Right. But other than that, there's absolutely no documentation on it. It's been going around forever. The British version of it is the Debonaires, yeah. uh, which probably came out of music hall or something like that. But there is a suggestion that it goes back to like some sort of like, you know. M- middle-aged lenny (laughs) bruce where 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 it actually was social commentary that the act of where everybody's shitting each other's mouths and fucking their grandmothers and everything were in fact called the aristocrats
0: (laughs) right so that it
1: actually might have been political (laughs) political satire
0: but it's so it's a joke which is about so it's a joke in its previous form is about a family coming into a talent agent doing a disgusting something disgusting and then what do you call yourself? get off your high horse <laughs> and then I'm sorry there's no big high yourself? back chair in it <laughs> and so then <laughs> the whole <laughs> film is lots of different comedians doing their different version of tra- and basically trying to outgross each other and get more and more disgusting with what the act is doing in, in which is right, very but exciting it, but, uh, it,
1: but as an experiment it was very much like setless really yeah. except with different parameters but the idea is just that it's the It's the singer, not the song. Here's this joke: the setup and the punchline are always the same. It Doesn't matter what they are; they're just the you know, they're just the uh, edge of your canvas. And then it's just how gross can you be? How inappropriate (laughs) can you be?
0: Which again is sort of how comedians are backstage, and and and, some bring it out stage. But
1: also, I think how how different minds work and how different different comedians have really figured out who they are and how it emerges from them. Like um, you know. sarah silverman like personalized it, and she started telling the story as if she was the little girl in the in the family where all these horrible things are happening and then halfway through she realized she was raped by their agent and, and it just sort of emerges just like he raped me it was so funny and so completely weird and not at all the same approach as anybody else nobody takes the same approach and when you do when somebody does take to the same approach We'd often put them back to back so you can see how they were completely they diverge <laughs> even when they started off in the same uh, points. but it was really fun, but of course, in America to do a, a, this movie, which is really vile language, um, uh, we didn't submit it to the ratings board to be rated because they told us it would have an X, it would have an NC17, which is a little, you know uh, rating. And, and I'm kind of so we decided not to as sort of a political protest because the rating system it's just a guideline anyway, and really, you know, think of all the movies you've seen rated R. Mm-hmm. Can you really tell where the line is? <laughs> you know, so we wrote right on the posters. We gave more information than the stupid rating. We 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 put right on there. You know, unspeakable obscenity, the vilest <laughs> language. If you've ever been offended by anything, don't see this movie. <laughs> put it right out there. So we actually gave more information than the rating thing would. Um, But I was a little pissed off that we didn't go for the ratings because we would have had the first movie in history to be classified as hardcore porn that is nothing but comedians (laughs) talking into the camera.
0: Some people get off on that. (laughs) sit in a high-backed armchair and and watch the Um, uh, Aristocrats. But so in the States,
1: it has a different meaning. The the Aristocrats has a different meaning than it it does here. And it it, it sort of just operated on a lot of wacky levels. And whenever there was any argument about it or any chatter about it, you know, the, the, the final end of the whole thing was like, it's a joke about a family <laughs> who fucks their dog, yeah. and look at how upset you're all getting. You know, so it was great. It was like um, it just played out perfectly.
0: Yeah, it was, it no, so it's very really, that kind of fence. Obviously, is an interesting thing, and there's quite a few comedians, I guess, in Britain, sort of playing around with that. But it, but it's yeah. I mean, it's completely. It's not. It's completely <laughs> imaginary. So it's kind of totally. to, to get to get upset about something imaginary when there are disgusting things actually happening yeah. in the world that you're not complaining yeah. about. It's kind of amazing it's satire. Isn't that this know? movie with like yeah. <laughs>
1: Larry. Storch who's about 95 was like big in vaudeville telling this joke is you know in the same category as teenage whip bitches
0: (laughs) you know is sex such a bad thing is sex such an awful thing yeah it is the way I do it and and if you're interested there's still there's still about 25 minutes left of you No, Uh, so (laughs) I'm asking all of my guests this and it may make no sense to you whatsoever this question but all of my guests are getting the same question.
1: As long as you say it not in Scottish, I might have a shot at okay. understanding I think this. you'll
0: understand the words, but you may not know who I'm talking about. You probably will. Um, what would it take for you to fellate the actor Keith Allen? What would you need What would you need in return? Okay, keep in
1: mind that I don't know who Keith okay, Allen that's is. That makes it just as interesting. Right. Still in uh, <laughs> but pretty much just ask me. That's all it takes. <laughs> okay, you'd do it if I'll you I fellate asked. anybody. I fellated yeah. people for less.
0: We are. We imagine. Somebody
1: once. Somebody once said, "This is going to be your epitaph in comedy." Yeah, Provenza's not a guy you want to play gay chicken with.
0: Well, bear in mind that I, I imagine, and I don't know if this is true, that Keith Allen's uh, uncircumcised penis is so fused together with smegma that it's um it's a, it's just like a ball of cottage cheese on the end. That is what would that would that make any difference? Sort of, and this foreskin is just stuck to his, the 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 helmet of his penis. Okay, what time, a, th- what time what time and night are we talking? <laughs> about? It can be any time you like. It's good that you'll do it. It's nice. Someone a few people have agreed to do it. Uh, I was like, we'll get in touch with him and let him know. Should I write him a letter at the end of the series and go, these are the people I think who I think you have a realistic chance of being fellated by Keith? I think you should, you should send it as if it's like a signed petition. The undersigned agree that you should be fellated at once. Well, no, What's the story behind him? It's complicated. It just comes out of a very early podcast. He's, so, he's a sort of mad actor who, uh, and he was a comedian as well. Like Electrology- kind comedian. of mad? Well, sort of. But he's just like a. He's a bit of a kind of bad boy, you know, drinking guy. But he came like to a, like a
1: real Russell Brand.
0: Yeah, well, yeah sort of a bit more frightening. But then he thinks he's a bit like he thinks he's a, a bit outrageous, and he's not quite as outrageous. He thinks he gets drunk on TV, and he's a bit, you know, he's a bit of a prick. Right. Uh, right. And he came in 1987 when I was doing the Oxford Review. Is he attractive? Um, well, he's had a lot of uh, children by different women, so some women are obviously attracted. Do you like Keith Allen? If Keith Allen was asking you to dance in front of him, manor, would you do that? You might consider it. Fucking hell. <laughs> give, me a ty- give, me a phys-
1: give me a physical type. Name somebody famous that I might know who's a similar physical type.
0: John Rickles. John Don Rickles. <laughs> Is that accurate? Not really, yeah. oh. He's sort of a little hairy, sort of a kind of balding Oliver Reed. How about that? Maybe sort of that in those. All right. So it's okay. a little bit of dirt, you know, but he, he sabotaged an early show of mine. Actually, I'll talk to you this about because with someone, uh, we have not got time. Um, someone emailed me. I don't know. If the, are you in the guy who emailed me? He said he was coming up. Newcastle. Yeah, from Newcastle? No, he hasn't made it. By the way, have
1: you been watching Geordie Shore? Uh, no. It's genius. <laughs> Brendan, Brendan Burns and I were crying first of all you know the you know jersey shore right yeah yeah well Geordie shore succeeded in making jersey shore way more tawdry <laughs> and it's not even shot in a resort town it's shot in fucking newcastle and they try and make newcastle look hip and and destinationy yeah all the like beauty shots the streets is like dogs vomiting <laughs> it's unbelievable the the big the big the big beauty vista is the angel of the north <laughs> they're living in you know, Jersey Shore, they put everybody in this big ass vacation home. Yeah. They put them in like a council flat. <laughs> They're in like a row house in Newcastle. They're in the house for four hours. One of them's already pissing in her pants on camera.
0: <laughs> Somebody's vomiting into somebody else's bed. Four
1: hours. It's a liar. <laughs>
0: People will do anything to get on TV. I saw something. I saw something I, you just made me think of. I don't know what it was in some one of those like Bachelor ones where they've got some guys trying to get off with the loads of girls are trying to get off with a guy. Yeah. And during one of the parties, one of the girls sh- shat herself, and some of her shit slipped onto the li- uh. slipped out of her shorts onto the stair, and then that's on TV forever. That is, and then she had to kind of go. Oh, I'm sorry, I've uh, I've eaten something bad and went to the toilet. But like, that's what you're going to be famous for—is shitting yourself as an adult on television it's a terrible terrible thing yeah Yeah, this Um, 18
1: year old girl all of a sudden just can't control her bladder just (laughs) all over you know what's funny because Newcastle's
0: not that big a fucking town really (laughs) but they all get to the house they all know each other (laughs) (laughs) so look I'm not going to let you dodge this this guy said to me that you'd um, do you remember this story because this might be a high-backed armchair he said that um You'd done a gig and there was some it was, some people were heckling. You got them on stage. There was sort of clothes were being taken off. Uh, it was all kind of quite. Uh, and then a guy tried to lick your ass on stage, and you got angry at that for some reason. <laughs> Suddenly the gay chicken thing doesn't uh, hold up. Hold oh, no, no, you, you haven't say, heard my telling <laughs> yeah, well, story. Yeah, I'm going to tell you the story. I have to say, get, I want you to be able to defend. Get out of here. You, f- yeah, go, the end of the show. And the next day you went to their show and just heckled them with about twenty people and wrecked their show until they cried. Is that true or false? Could ask at the end. Of As it.
1: you tell this story, it's not true. This is three different stories, <laughs> all rolled into one, each of which is true. <laughs> Uh, the ass licking on stage—that was a uh, late in live. It was a heckler who was just—I uh, was just pissed off his tits—and um, um, uh, he just wouldn't stop. And every time I pushed him, he went with the push. Yeah. And it was like I couldn't win, so I kept raising the stakes <laughs> until eventually I had him on stage kneeling behind me wanting to eat my ass. (laughs) Which then somehow, I don't remember all the details, but it ended up with me shoving the microphone up his ass. (laughs) But now, this is really important to note. I shoved a microphone up his ass. It was cheeks to about here. (laughs) And it was one of those guitar mics, one of these things. So that, it it was a bigger one than this, which was kind of helpful leverage, but it was... In his ass, and I was hammering. <laughs> Son of a bitch did not. <out>. <laughs> Where can we go? I actually have footage of that. Have you?
0: It's like a live, a- live action version of the aristocrats, isn't it? This is, this is You've started say. doing the joke for real. Well, you know how it is. <laughs> you go down that road. You can't back down. You can't.
1: But the minute you back down, you're, done. You, you've got to shove the microphone up the man's <laughs> ass.
0: Uh-huh. Did he say anything as this was happening? Was he just going? This is good fun. For- is this all was- you've got? Is that microphone up my ass? Is this the best you can do, Provenza? <laughs> Uh
1: he was just enjoying the attention. Uh, yeah, so that's one of that's those two one stories. Story. Um uh the other one uh uh, uh is the uh, the heckle club thing. Yeah, but that's a real big long story. That's a whole other podcast. Okay. <laughs> but we didn't know it, we we did we got messed with by a bunch of people. Uh, there's several phases to this story, but this that particular phase is. Um, uh, remember the free beer show? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were doing the free beer show on the wine bar. It was a, uh, a show that uh, very successful every year was financed by cocaine sales to the comedians. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Am I picking it up? Uh, I, I, I'll say allegedly, just in case.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, because you know why? why Paul you know why? Because <laughs> <laughs> two of
1: those fucking guys are now attorneys at law. <laughs> Anyway, uh,
2: um,
1: so we had at the Free Beer Show, and this table was just drunk and rowdy and everything, and it was very clear to me that they just wanted attention and that they were performers. So I said, okay, all right, come on up, let's hear about your show, let's hear what it is, and they got up and they did a number from their show, and they were having their own little <laughs> good time and uh but they had given us all the information we needed <laughs> <laughs> and uh a bunch of the comedians on the show and about 10 audience members showed up the next day and uh the guy working the door is like is like oh you really came like, yes sir 20 please <laughs> at like you know 11 in the morning yeah for a, like, medical school fucking show. And uh, they fucking let us in. (laughs) They didn't have to do that. (laughs) See, there's mitigating circumstances here. Well, at one point, we started calling each other on phones. And then uh, Dean Cameron from Nigerian Spam Scam Scam was sitting right in the front row, and he would pick up the phone and go, yeah, "Ah, some show. Nah. (laughs) It was so fucking great. Uh, so much went on. We just drove them crazy until they fucking snapped. And they were like, they go, "How can you? You can't come to a show and do this." We go, hey, "Wait a minute! You did it to our show last night." And then this bunch of girls from the audience, they, we we didn't have to say a word. They went up and went, "Fuck you! We went to see that show last night and you were rude, cunts.
0: I was like, "Wow!
1: This is like like comedy legal." Miasma. <laughs> there's so much moral righteousness that goes so wrong.
0: <laughs> it's really good. I mean, it's, it's, there's lots of great stories like that. There's the of acts crashing each other shows. Like Malcolm Hardy driving a tractor through Eric Vulgazian's uh, oh, uh, tent uh, was a, was, a, was a great one because he was annoyed by the music coming and wrecking his show. Oh, so driving great. a tractor through the tent was a was a pretty. It's quite good when, when, <laughs> when there's vendettas between different shows. I kind of I so enjoy funny. that in Edinburgh. Uh, and that's kind of you know become the As whole world fringe. becomes. It does. The whole world becomes theater. Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember the summer that
1: um, when people were dying from the heat? It was so unbearable, right. and um, uh, just like every venue, the walls were just dripping. Yeah, yeah. I mean, brutal. That that real brutal summer, like about eight or nine years ago. Um, and uh, the power kept going out everywhere because yeah. it was so damn hot <laughs> and the power shut down and there was like a small fire <laughs> <or something laughs> At the gilded balloon, which is only a small fire for like a minute before it becomes a major tragedy in that <laughs> fucking tinderbox uh, And and venue, uh, one of the, the the dome things and We all all these shows and their audiences ended up in Bristow Square. Yeah, and so we just all started doing a show together in Bristow Square yeah. and it went on for hours and comics were actually calling from around the city going, is the show still going on in the square? <laughs> can I get up, can I get room for me on the show? It was great, it went on for hours.
0: But that's what that is, that's what the Fringe is, that's what the yeah, fringe yeah. is about. Great I'll go you. very quickly tell you an Edinburgh memory and then we'll get uh, an act on, uh, I'm actually going right back to 1987 because I couldn't think of one yet for 2008, I'll come back to that tomorrow. <laughs> uh, but uh, it was a good year, but I can't think of a single thing that happened. I'm gonna look through my blog tomorrow. To well, you and uh, Dave Fulton had a thing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was 1999 and maybe again in 2008. But the first time I was up here, I remember we were, we were like punty little students. It's come a little bit off the back of that, uh, doing kind of the Oxford Theatre Group doing shows. And we were, I remember, um, we, were walking, we were staying in a Masonic Lodge. It was very weird, but there's lots of us all together. And coming round the back up there onto the Royal Mile, we saw a guy basically beating up his girlfriend in a doorway, a Scottish guy. And we were, we were like these little 19-year-old kind of weak drama students, basically. And this real proper Scottish guy kind of hitting his girlfriend. Uh, and uh, so I remember like from some distance shouting if you want to hit someone come and hit me (laughs) Uh, 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 which is quite brave of me I was about 30 yards away and I reckon I I thought I could probably outrun him and I kind of thought I've got to try and stop that but but, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't go in and stop it because there'll be here, someone will die and it'll be me. And he kind of stopped and he went, oh, you sharp, you fucking English cunt. And he sort of did stop hitting her. Uh, and the girl shouted, it's all right, it's all right. Don't worry, it's fine. Uh, so that was, that was my, I love that's my introduction I to, love to Scotland. So we kind of tried to risk my life to save a woman. Going, oh, he's it's, it's only playing with his smashing. me. In the f-. This is this is nice. So that's Scotland. That was my first introduction. That's why it's been titled quite a few years before I started t- Taking the piss out of the Scotch people uh, for fear that, that he would be in the audience and, and get me. Anyway, look, we've got, we're going to um, we're going to uh, have a, a little break while we have some uh, stand-up. Uh, so uh, this is a really terrific newcomer uh, who's um, about to hit it big. He's already on TV. I saw him on TV the other day, and I think he's got another show coming on. That's right, isn't it? Uh, will you please welcome the incredible Joe Lyssett, ladies and gentlemen?
2: Hello, are you well? Oh, I'm sure you can do a bit better than that. Are you well? Wonderful news. Hello there. I'm I'm really happy to be here. I love being at the Fringe. It's my favourite time of the year because I love all the ridiculous stuff that happens at the Fringe. Last week I was at the Udderbelly at the Upside Down Cow and I was at the outdoor bar there and this girl came up next to me with a hot dog in one hand and her bag in the other and she ordered a white wine and the man behind the bar said, can I see some ID? Now what I think she meant to say was, Oh, I haven't got a spare hand, so I can't get my idea out of my bag. But what actually came out was, I'm 24 and I'm holding a sausage. That—that right. <laughs> That is lovely, isn't it? Oh, proof, proof. Right, I love that. But it sometimes it manifests itself as like bad stuff, the daft stuff. Like, I'm a massive hypochondriac. Is the hypochondriacs in? Yeah. Oh, really? You sound very enthusiastic yeah. about that. Um, are you all right? Uh, probably not. Probably not. That's the right answer. Yeah. That's the right answer. Because I, I get a bit of a cold and I immediately think, well, that'll be face cancer, and so like planning the funeral. It's absolute nightmare. Perfect example of this. One evening I had a whole bottle of red wine and then a hot chocolate and I threw up and there were brown bits in the sick, and I thought, well, that's not right, is it right? So I went on Wikipedia, the finest of all diagnostic tools. And Wikipedia said, You're shitting out of your mouth, right? Everything everything's going wrong. So I, I called up NHS Direct and she said, Have you had anything brown to eat or drink recently? And I said, Yes, are you all right there? You're right. Uh, I'm, uh, good, good um, Yes And she said Have you had anything Brown to eat or drink recently And I said yes I've had a hot chocolate And she essentially Told me to fuck off right? <laughs> Not good at all But um, sometimes daftness is just actual idiocy, and you have to challenge it. Like, uh, I used to work in a theatre in Manchester, and um, one of the worst audiences was the ballet crowd, because they're kind of middle-aged, middle-class, kind of pseudo-intellectual. They think they're intelligent, but they're missing the point. They say things like, I know children are dying in Africa, but isn't it annoying when somebody's rude to the checkout at John Lewis? You know, (laughs) this sort of mentality, right? And I was on a bar for this one shift, and I've been told to serve all my drinks in plastic cups. I had no choice in the matter. I'm a mere puppet of the theatre. This is what I had to do. And this very well-dressed gentleman came and he said, I'll have a red wine, please. So I poured in this red wine a plastic cup. And he went, oh, no. I couldn't possibly have a red wine out of a pathetic plastic cup. Like, really angry and venomous about his plastic cup. And I thought, well, I could go and get him a glass, but I've been told not to. So I thought, I'll challenge him. Right, so I said, the receptacle is arbitrary. It's the contents you should be worried about. <laughs> to which he responded with, good point, and just walked off. (laughs) I win. I I mean, I've come up against a little bit of homophobia in my life. I should establish I'm not actually a gay. Uh, I'm actually bisexual, which means you're all at risk. Uh, (laughs) But... Yeah, I've come up against a little bit of homophobia, and I like to say that it's people being daft, people being silly, rather than getting full of hatred, because that spoils my life. And I sort of see racism in a similar way. I don't know if you're familiar with the EDL, the English Defence League, but they're sort of anti-Islamist, anti-Muslim, just sort of nasty people, not very nice. And they recently did a protest outside a KFC in Blackburn, because they'd started serving halal meat, which I think is lovely, because essentially they've all got together and they've gone, these bloody Muslims coming over here and... Messing with the Colonel's secret recipe. I think, like, it's so misguided, it's almost beautiful, isn't it? And um, I recently did a gig with Jim Davidson. I know who put us in a bill together, we're so similar. I'm wearing two peas in a pod. Uh, but. Uh, Yes, and I've been told not to do the gig because he's obviously got a reputation of being a misogynist and a homophobe and a racist, all of these things. But I'd never seen him before and I thought, I'm judging him based on what other people have told me, which isn't fair. Also, the money was amazing. (laughs) So I went to do the gig and he was doing like his main show and then headlining a show that I was doing later on in the evening. And I went to watch his main show just to see what he was about and he was brilliant, he was really good, but he just spoiled it by putting certain words in there, certain references that he didn't need to, that didn't add anything, I thought... I'm going to tell him, I'm going to challenge him. right? So I went up to him, Jim Davidson after his gig and I said, I thought you were brilliant, I thought you were really good, but why did you say chink, for example? You didn't need to say, I didn't add anything, it just took away for me. And he sort of nodded and listened. Then we went down to do the show I was doing. He did a set about ordering prostitutes to his hotel room, Comedy Gold, and he uh, mimed being on the telephone. And he said, I want a Filipino, and a chuk, chuk, turned, looked at me off stage and went, a person from China. <laughs> I have censored Jim Davidson, <laughs> MFG. this is huge. Um, next week I'm supporting Robin Mugabe, so anything could happen. <laughs> watch out, watch out, yes. Uh, moving off the slightly political stuff onto the fact that I love little sausages and beans. Don't you love little sausages and beans? How about that for a gear change, backing out, yeah. Um, because I'm on a bit of a health kick at the minute because it got so bad that I couldn't walk and eat at the same time. I was about 3 stone heavier. And the worst is with Greg's pasties because little bits of the pastry sort of flake off into your lungs and that's not a way to go, <laughs> is it? Like somebody asking my mum at the funeral, "How did he die? He choked on a steak bake." Like it's just not a way to go. But the one thing I can't get rid of is the little sausages in beans. I absolutely love them. And we didn't have any in recently, so I went to my local supermarket, which is a little, and I love little as well because I love a bargain. And I got to the tins aisle in little, and it was closed off genuinely because there was a corpse in the aisle. Right. <laughs> And, and close off the store, just the yeah, R, that'll be fine. Right. Pe- people still beeping stuff through on the tills, all panicked, horrible. And there was a security guard next to the yard looking very nervous. And I said to him, I said, oh, what's happened? And he went, oh, there's been a bit of an accident. Right. I don't know what sort of accident ends in a murder in little, but that's a fucking accident, isn't it? And I just sort of jokingly said, oh, that's annoying, because I really wanted to get some sausages and beans. And he sort of paused for a minute, and then he went, all right. And let me through! So, <laughs> so I'm in, over oh, with a corpse! And of course, the beans and sausages were beyond the corpse. I had to climb over this fucking corpse. They tasted delicious. It was worth it. Very nice. <laughs> this has been lovely. Thanks very much. Bye bye.
0: <laughs> Joe likes ladies and gentlemen. Nine thirty at the Pleasant Dome. Still some chance to see him. Fantastic. Are you coming back on Provenza? Yeah, come back on. Yeah, we're going to do a competition. Uh, what? Really d- that. Yeah. Tell us. Tell. Tell me your favorite thing that's happened in Setlist. What's your What's your best thing you've ever done? That My you've personal been?
1: best. Yeah. Right, this is. I'm so glad I'm getting the opportunity to do this because I need another laugh off this joke.
0: <laughs> it was so fast, and it was like. It was, sometimes
1: this happens to you too, right? I mean, yeah. we we work really hard at material, but every once in a while, in the shower or something, something comes full blown. Yeah. And like, you just don't ask questions. And this <laughs> is when I had um. The Setlist came up condom limbo. And I just said, um, that's my euphemism for sex, because when you see
0: the people I fuck, you go, how low can he go? <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I was proud of that. <laughs> it's great when it comes very quickly. Right, we're gonna do um, a competition you can win. Uh, let's see what it is today. Probably As It Occurs To Me. Oh, yes it is. It's an As It Occurs To Me uh, DVD of the complete As It Occurs To Me, amazing uh, internet comedy, with extras you can't get online. Uh, available for 15 pounds from www.gofosterstripe.com. No one cares. Uh, tickets to Dave Fulton. No one's buying it. Oh, uh, Dave Fulton. Two Dave tickets. Fulton, Brilliant.
1: Oh yeah. He was on
0: on Tuesday. And tickets to Josh Howie who also was on. Uh, also really Twenty funny. a twenty pound Scottish actual money, not left-handed shop voucher, not wine <laughs> voucher. Actual money. It would be 25, but he's taken five pounds for his fucking needy kids. Uh, and uh, other people That's a proper 20 pound note Who is this guy? Uh, good question Who's the guy on the front of looks the- like Weird Al Yankovic <laughs> Lord Bailey
1: Lord Bailey Lord Ailey, Lord Ailey. Yeah. Invented
0: ale What did he do? He's the, the he's the head of the bank He's put oh, himself con- on the. <laughs> he's a con- <laughs> They can't do that They can't put the bloke Who's from the bank <laughs> Especially these fucking days Yeah it's me I'm the one who lost all the money <laughs> uh, I've still got a massive bonus don't worry so
1: weird that you could yearn and despise simultaneously the same object
0: <laughs> so anyway £20 and there'll be some tickets to other people uh, and uh, for other people as well um, so we, we need you all to stand up so if everyone stands up we're going to make some statements that are either true or false if you think the statement is true put your hands on your head if you think it's false put your hands on your bottom uh, or on Anna's bottom no, all laws are broken and don't exist. Within you can do anything you want, uh, and uh, if you get it wrong, you have to sit down. It's self policing. Uh, but if you see anyone cheat, oh no, ladies coming in to get near the front. You think you're gonna win? Or have we just been to the toilet? You've been sitting there, you've just been to the loo, and then you've come back, thought there's twenty pounds. <laughs> I was gonna go home, and then I heard there was twenty pounds on offer. So we'll make some statements mm-hmm. of truth and falsehoods. Uh, the comedian Stuart Lee. Uh, He's quite chubby now, but back when he was 19 years old, he was at Oxford University and got a half blue in judo. Is that true or false? Hands on your head if you think it's true, hands on your bottom if you think it's false. That is false. He's never been any good at sport in his life. Uh, Any kind of sport. So you can make any statement, Paul. Do you want to, if you've got anything about anything you like, if you need to know the answer, our decision is final on this. If it turns out Stu was a half blue in judo, you can't come and ask for your money back. (laughs)
1: Uh, if you were to see every show at the fringe this year back to back from start to finish it would take you seven years
0: true or false what's the answer I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I think it's false, because it would be amazing if it was exactly seven years long. So false I think is it's three years and
1: change, yeah. <laughs> th-
0: sit down if you said true. Um, the jo- during the break, uh, when our Joe was on, I, uh, I uh, looked at the internet, and the, uh, <laughs> the sad news has come through. that <laughs> The, the, the newsreader, Kenneth Kendall, and the presenter of uh, Treasure Hunt has died. Is that true or false? Tre- hands on your head if you think it's true. Hands on your bottom if you think it's false. If, you, if it's true, you've, you've gonna, you're going to win, sir. It's false. I say, I say it every day. I do it nearly every day. It's just a way of picking out people who don't listen to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> have you got another one? Yes, I do. Good.
1: 9-11 was an inside job.
0: <laughs> <laughs> true or false? <laughs> Paul Preventer will give you the answer after this. <laughs> What's the answer, Paul? Well, I'm not allowed to say. (laughs) 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 We'll go for another one then. Um, (laughs) Ahmed Jalili, who was on the show yesterday, uh, appeared in the movie version of Saved by the Bell. Uh, He played uh, a teacher in that. Is that true or false? Hands on your head if it's true, hands on your bottom if it's false. Uh, I don't think there was a movie version of Saved by the Bell, so I think it's false to say said true. <laughs> Fucking hell, the TV series was bad enough. Yeah, defi- definitely. Definitely, would definitely be. I mean, the problem with Omid is he's in so many things that it's feasible that he would have done. That. Go, you say what the screeches, Dad? Yes, I'll take the role. <laughs> you got another one, Paul? It's yes, it's useful if they if they work, yes. but they don't have to. There
1: was a movie version of Saved by the Bell.
0: <laughs> true. <laughs> true or false? <laughs> No, we won't do that one. I'll do another one. Paul Sinha, <laughs> uh, the uh, comedian who was on, an uh, ex-doctor, I believe, who was on uh, TV uh, the other day, tried to get on to be the beat the egghead. He tried to become one of the eggheads on the TV show, The Eggheads. He took part in that comedy. Is that true or false? Everyone's, I think, gone for true. Is anyone at the back still in? Oh, there's a lady there gone for false. It's fu- It's true, madam, sorry. So you have to sit down. Got rid of one there. Paul Prevenza. The
1: comedian Jim Jeffries. Yeah. Uh, His job before he was a comedian was that he was a tenor in the Sydney Opera. Wow.
0: I don't know the answer to this. True or false? Many men have gone for false. One lady's gone for true. It's the truth. It's true. I think you've won, (laughs) madam. Unbelievable. There you go. There's your tickets. Dave Fulton, Josh Howey, well worth seeing. Uh, Anna, I would like you to go and see Josh Howie. I am a dick, because he is a dick and he's more of a dick than I am. So, uh, but by accepting these tickets, you are saying that the sexual harassment I gave you during the, <laughs> you will not press charges uh, for that. Uh, and good luck with your with job as being a teacher. It's a very important thing, apart from art, which is a waste of time. Uh, try, try and have sex with one of them. you would be so grateful. Honestly. Just get yourself a high back chair and watch <laughs> paint. Uh, Paul J. Levy and go and also see Josh Howie. Is there three of you together or just two of you? Two of, two of us. Is that are you going out with Paul J. Levy? No. Do you think it might might happen at some. No, are don't you shake you your head and laugh. He's a you reasonably attractive man. He works in charity. Are you just with
1: him for the money?
0: <laughs> she to go out with me. Oh, and they're still friends. Yeah. That's nice. Oh, I wish we could get more into. If I'd found that at the beginning, I wouldn't have even brought Paul, uh, Paul on. I'd have just talked to you about that. Is anyone... Have you got, have you, have you got a... Colin, Colin? Have you got a... He, you're fully booked again. Right, that's a shame. Uh, so, he comes every day. Usually, he's just sat there on his own in an island. Today, people have joined him. Um, but they're rent boys. He books up. He books. Is anyone in a threesome here? There we go. You can go and see uh, Dave Fulton. I think I may have lost... Uh, there we go thank you very much Will you please tomorrow we have um, uh, Phil Nickel uh, ex-Perrier winner and fantastic comedian he's going to really? be worth seeing and a to be confirmed stand up act uh, but please give it up for the acts you have seen today uh, you have seen Paul Prevenza, ladies and gentlemen
1: thanks for like having it.
0: me go and see set list it's fucking awesome uh, at the caves at what time the caves at 11.50 and 1.15 it's absolutely awesome uh, and we'll be back tomorrow with uh, more of these with uh, Phil Nickel thank you very much see you tomorrow bye bye